Hello, this is Austin Matra. Welcome back to the Dragon's Den podcast. And today, to tide everyone over between the week of the Super Bowl and the Pro Bowl, we're doing a Jets and Giants season review podcast. So if you like pain and suffering, make sure to stick around because this is going to be a great episode for you. The Jets and the Giants certainly had a year of football this year going you know, the Giants last year came into the season with some pretty good expectations, I'd say, right? Winning a playoff game, first year under your brand new head coach, just extended Daniel Jones, mm-hmm. came out look, thinking the season was going to be good. And, and then, then after the first play, it was just wraps. After Sunday night football happened, it was all downhill from there. First drive looking really good, fifty going down 50 yards of the field and blocked, blocked kick. kicks. Andrew Thomas destroyed his quad somehow. I believe it was a quarter hamstring and it was a microcosm of the season to come. 30 nothing at halftime. Then the Jets had a very similar experience, but not the same. We got we get to the similar destination, but the path was a little different. You know, have an elite defense last year, looking up, you know, one of the things they did in the offseason was make a move to acquire Aaron Rodgers, thinking that they were the one piece away from a Super Bowl. Then we go into the first game of the year. Aaron Rodgers tears his Achilles, not even completing a pass for the Jets. And we didn't even get him all season. And it was just downhill from there with injuries, bad offensive performances galore, and just overall not what either team expected. Well, you do have the upper leg on us getting one extra win, but... And we beat you. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tommy DeVito's legendary negative passing yards game. What was it? Negative something like 40 yards with sacks built in. It was like negative 40. Could have been 15 or 40. Something like that. I don't know. Not good. We can talk about that. You want to talk about that now or don't talk about that later? I mean, that was just, we'll we'll start now because, you know, that game, you know, the the two teams playing each other, it was was something, you know, it was a game. Just rain fests, not good quarterback play, just kicks, feel all this bullshit. And then our court. So I believe in that game, Tyra Taylor did get injured, came with Tommy DeVito starting second half, or maybe even Tyra Taylor got. Now I had to be injured. No, it was an injury. They weren't making DeVito throw because Mm -hmm. it was all run. God forbid. I would not want my third string quarterback throwing a sauce, DJ Reed and Michael Carter. Or in the rain as well. Mm-hmm. That's another factor. Saquon did have over 150-something yards rushing. He did have over 30 attempts. Real workhorse day from Saquon. Two, two missed field goals. One to really basically ended for us. And then the Jets get the ball back with like 13 seconds. We got a great stop. Zach Wilson let the down so, the field. Zach Wilson pulls out pass. his uh, patented, I'm only good with a minute left to go in the half. Until I do something stupid. So he either goes all the way down the field or he'll throw a pick on that drive. And now, now you have bragging rights for the next, well, if you go regular season, another four years, but preseason, who cares about really? Well, we won the four years ago, too, in Daniel Jones' first game. That was one of my favorite Jets plays in all of existence because you, you know the play I'm talking about? I haven't even... I was Jamal Adams absolutely mugging Daniel Jones. I was a huge Maybe. Jamal Adams fan back in the day, and 
seeing him with that, you know, the legendary sack season he was having that year, absolutely take Daniel Jones's lunch money and run it into the end zone. That was that was amazing oh, to watch. Yeah, you stripped it out of him and just ran. yeah, yeah. Now you remember. <laughs> yep. I sent. I, I think I sent that play to my cousin once or twice after the game. But... I believe you beat us in 2016 too with Ryan Fitzmagic. Man, I don't even remember. But we did man. beat. I think we beat you with Victor Cruz, that 99 yard pass. But anyway, it's not looking good for us. You guys usually beat us in the preseason, anyways. But I mean, we, we did have some different paths, same results, really underwhelming year. I'd start kind of with the Giants. That we, I even told you at the beginning of the year, we had a terrible first seven game stretch. It was the Cowboys, the Eagles, the. Bills, just Seahawks. There was another team right there. You just didn't get a break. Like, you started out slow, and you never really had a game to get your feet under you. You know what I mean? And, like, get rolling on offense. I had a feeling that we were going to have a 1-6 and start. We were really only going to beat the Cardinals, but we came back 21 down from the Cardinals. Josh Dobbs looking good in that game. Daniel Jones was looking even better, but... I had a feeling we were kind of a second-half team, but what's to be honest, it's football. It's Football is known for injuries, and of course, you're going to have a few hits we'll talk about also, but it was a really underperforming. You can really say it was also injuries, but I feel like injuries really would not have done it, but next year. Hmm? That's what we always say. All right, so, I mean, the Jets kind of, the Jets were kind of similar. Like, we had some tough games out of the gate, but my thing was going into the season— if we get through our first couple months playing 500 football and then we could win down the backstretch, was, which was how I imagined it, you know, starting off the season against the Bills in overtime, that was, that was a good football game. Mm-hmm. You know, got stomped in by the Cowboys the next week. Then you have the annual Jets-Patriots under-scoring game, you know, battled the Chiefs, Broncos, and then the Eagles. That... After that game is when I saw the season kind of flipping and going into, okay, now we can win a lot more games, but that second half of the season was just rough. Lost a lot of winnable games, won some games I didn't think we'd win, you know, and wound up where we are today. Not in a great spot, definitely not even close to looking for a playoff game. But, you know, it all starts with the offensive line. The Jets... And the Giants had a lot of injury trouble this year on the line. You know, as Rob mentioned before, Andrew Thomas and Evan Neal is getting hurt in the first game of the year. And then just having a revolving door against that gauntlet of teams you mentioned just really knocks you down. Especially, like, if you're Daniel Jones, he got hurt during that stretch, right? Yep. He, he, got, just, he got injured in the uh, the Raiders game. It was a torn ACL. It was a non-contact injury, which usually means it's could be ACL, which it was, which, yeah, that was kind of like the deal, the deal breaker of that season. Going back to it, like we played the Cowboys week one, Cardinals week two, Niners, Seahawks, Dolphins, Bills, Commanders before they kind of like cleaned house, Jets, Raiders, Cowboys, all these teams have really good defensive lines. So see how we really haven't developed an offensive line maybe since our Super Bowl years with Snee back there. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't really know. Like, it's just been rough. Like, I don't even want to talk about the line because, like, the Jets have tried to fix their line. You know, they drafted Becton, 
who may or may not be a bust depending on how like he he is a bust in the fact that he hasn't played much two seasons ruined by injury his rookie season on and off the field I love the guy I really want him to play amazing and I think he can do that but this year he stayed healthy the whole year didn't play amazing but he was reliable he was there he started every game almost every game till the Miami one where he got hurt and I thought he played well but Dwayne Brown, we had to rely on as a tackle piece, did not do good. Elijah Vera Tucker played great at guard, then moved him out to tackle, was playing pretty good. Tears his tricep, two season-ending injuries two years in a row in Denver. What are the odds of that? And then Lakin Tomlinson has not been the free agent signing that, you know, we wanted when we got him from the Niners. Like, just not a lot of... We, we've tried to build a line like Joe Tipman. Joe Tipman came in and he was still relatively new raw. He gets hurt for a little bit. And not, like we were down to third string linemen. We had like eight or nine different starting line combinations through the first like 10 games. No consistency. And when you're playing on the line like that, it's hard to trust the guy next to you, especially in the NFL. And when you're swipping, flipping people out every every day, it it's hard to block. It really is. Well, moving on from the offensive line, we have some bright spots. The skill positions. With the Jets, I mean, you have Brees Hall and Garrett. Obviously, very good, very talented players. Brees snubbed from comeback player of the year. Should have had it, but he wasn't, unfortunately, selected. Fourth in all-purpose yards throughout the entire league. And Garrett Wilson... Had another 1,000-yard season running some amazing routes. But, I mean, a 1,000-yard season is still very good. But from what was expected, it was kind of a letdown. Well, he had a few games, which he's not just a rusher. He's also a receiver. Had two games where he had over, maybe two or three, had over 200 all-purpose yards. Yeah. There was a game where he almost had, he had like 98 rushing and 98 receiving. It was insane. And, I mean, I witnessed it firsthand. He's a dog. He he's one of those two guys are like some some of those like very special like I love watching Garrett Wilson play. Mm. He reminds me a little bit of like Antonio Brown and Debo Samuel together. I'm not saying he's you know as good as A B will be. Hopefully he's a, he's a short he's a short really well route runner. Yeah he he's a yeah like you said he's his routes are so crisp and he catches he has an amazing catch radius. If it comes near him, he's most likely coming down with it. Hell, the picture from week one where he, you know, absolutely mossed the Bills cornerback. Mm -hmm. That's that's still my phone background right now because that was such a cool catch. You know, and after the catch, he's so good too. He's so shifty and elusive. They're genuinely a treat to watch play, but Brees Hall gets hit in the backfield so often. The, I think he, he was the worst, like the rusher, the, hit closest to the line in the NFL. Like, he was genuinely hard-pressed to find rushing lanes. But when he did, he can explode. Look at the Bills game again, week one. And that was his first game after a torn ACL. If he could probably finish that run, you know, take it all the way to the end zone. So we were talking about this last week. You think he should... He really could be in the conversation for comeback player of the year if it wasn't for 
the terrible events in Cincinnati a year ago and Joe Flacco getting off the couch. If he's coming Joe Flacco, with old comeback player thou- of the year. If you're coming over a thousand rushing yards from an ACL, which an ACL is like nine to 12 months, depending. Yeah. And it was like a mid to later season ACL injury. You know, him and AVT both suffered torn ACLs last year in the same game. Well, I also did want to say, which came out maybe a week ago, Banks had an interview and he was like, I think the interviewer told him, which wide receiver is the hardest to guard? And he was like, he named Derek Wilson, he named DK, he named Debo, he named, D- I think I just said DK, mm-hmm. C.D. Lamb, Terry McLaurin, A.J. Brown. And you know which one he said was the hardest to guard? Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson. Why? Because he's small, very flashy, great route runner. Again, as you were saying, he, he also said this similar to A.B. Yeah, and the thing with Garrett Wilson is he doesn't, he has, like, he has really good speed. He's not Jamison Williams, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, Marquise Brown, et cetera, DK Metcalf. That's not his game. His game isn't his speed. It accentuates what's good about him. He has, he has bursts, not speed, I'll say. Mm-hmm. Very, accelerates and decelerates amazingly. And he's just very shifty, but he doesn't have that elite top end speed. And there's not a lot of help on the offense around him. You would say Alan Lazard got a big deal, kind of disappeared this year. Didn't mm-hmm. see much of him after that. You know, rookies Jason Brownlee trying to make an impact on the team. Yeah. Randall Cobb, Miko Hardman for a few. Miko Hardman, we had we signed him, traded, barely used him, and then traded him. And if he wasn't getting playing team on our team, like yeah. you know, it wasn't good. I will say the tight end position was good. Ruckert and Conklin. Mm. Zuzoma was a little bit of a letdown. Yeah, I really liked Ruckert more because I felt like he was a better run blocker. And he's developed very well as a pass catcher. I want to see more of him next year. Mm-hmm. I just want to see us use a lot more two tight end sets because that way, much better running the ball. You have better blockers. Yeah. You know, you use Garrett Wilson and a second receiver more. So that way, it just seems better because the, the Texans were a team with C.J. Stroud who often would block six or seven more than most other teams, letting Stroud have that time to really deliver the football. And as it turns out, it's pretty effective for them in Stroud's development. So I'd like to see a little bit more two tight end sets worked into the offense next year, you know, based off what we have now. Free agency still abound, maybe. Who knows what they get? But right now, that's kind of where I see it going. Yeah, I mean, Sauce did some recruiting <laughs> on Cal- Twitter. Calvin relates T. Higgins. Yo, come to New York. Anyway. So we're going to go with the Giants. Like, we, there's some similarities, some differences. Very strong halfback with a very terrible line. Saquon had, I believe, he had over, nope, 962 yards throughout the year. He had 247 carries. He's a workhorse. He doesn't have blazing speed as he used to in college. He had a torn ACL a few years ago. The O-line's really just holding him back at this point. Andrew Thomas, again, as I said, hurt his quad, or I believe it was his hamstring. It was one of the, somewhere somewhere in the leg. He was out for around eight games. We got Justin Pugh for the Buffalo Bills game, who played really well. And then Tyree Phillips got injured, and we put Pugh in a tackle. We got more Glowinski. Mark Glowinski. Thank you. Which... Along with him with Ben Brits, Bredesen. Ben Bredesen. Thank you. The our interior line has just been terrible. 
inside. Um, exterior has been great. I mean, Andrew Thomas is looking iffy. Well, I wouldn't really say Evan Neal has been doing really good since being drafted seventh, but the interior is getting really stuffed. A lot of run stops, a lot of negative gain, that two yard gain just running it up the gut. I would have liked a little bit more tosses or stretches. The offense last year, I felt like the offensive line for the Giants was a strike. The way that it was coached really allowed Saquon to run free. The The way that they attacked their, their running scheme and their blocks was, it was very good. I really liked the way that they would set up. And, it, you know, it didn't take an elite lineman. It required bodies to get to places. And that let the Giants succeed. They just weren't able to do that this year, you know. Saquon, to me, makes that offense run. Normally, certain offenses run through a quarterback or this or that, but you obviously have the exceptions. Tennessee ran through Derrick Henry. You can't deny that. The Gi the Giants' game plan is based off of Saquon. It's a based off of the threat of Saquon. It's about what he himself can actually do. So you really need to get that going if you want the Giants to su succeed. And I want Saquon to stay in New York. I think him and Dable could do some crazy things together, but they really need to build that line. And... I mean, if, every wide receiver on the team, you know, seems like an undersized slot receiver. We were talking about that before. For the last couple of years, mm -hmm. there, there hasn't really been a lot of big bodies outside of one big waste of cap space, which we'll get to. But, but I mean, if you do have receivers, yeah, it's again, what, I, what I'm happy you did say. We have a lot of slot receivers, not really many physical receivers. The last physical we, receiver we had was Kenny Galladay. And... He had a lot of issues of just morale and effort. And when Dayball came in about, say, it was last year, he said anyone can have a spot. Even our star players can get subbed. And especially in the training camp when Galladay got paid and, hey, I got paid, I'm set for life, I don't have to do anything anymore. He was getting... He was lazy. He was lazy, lazy in camp. And he got passed on the depth chart. But one thing I think the issue with the Giants was Kenny Galladay just wasn't a fit for the offense. I think Kenny Galladay obviously fell off from his time from the Lions to the Giants. He really did. But I think that, you know, genuinely, he would have been better suited to go somewhere else. I think Kenny Galladay still had juice left in the tank more so than he did on the Giants. Like, if he went to, say, the Rams, where Stafford, I think you needed a coach that and a quarterback that could utilize his, hey, I'm down here, chuck it deep, I got you mentality. Yep. He didn't have that as much in the Giants. He was more used, you know, as a route runner and this and that. And Daniel Jones, last year, I'm using last year's stats because he didn't really play this year, 36th average depth of target in the league. 36 and there's only 30, 32 quarterbacks. Yep. So obviously you have a quarterback who, even when his receivers are open, chooses not to push it down the field and likes to check it down paired with the ultimate down the field guy. It just, it was never really a good mm -hmm. option. Mm -hmm. So I think that, you know, he obviously probably didn't deserve that contract, but I just think it wasn't a good fit from the start. Hindsight is obviously 2020 and Maybe you sign Galladay thinking he can unlock that part of the offense. But now, but, as we know, go on, it more yeah. seems like the offense was built away from that. So, 
And if you look at the Giants receiver, it's just it's majority slot receivers. It's Slayton. He's been you he was having a really great year. You had Jalen Hyatt. Jalen Hyatt's more of a deep threat. It's more of a see just that run down the field, which they were trying to kind of do with Galladay. That, well, that's really why play. I I think Hyatt could be great, but to me, the only route in his route tree is a nine, a, a nice streak. Mm-hmm. And granted, like I know he can run more than that, but that is his best weapon. His best weapon is beating you deep. And like I said, the offense really wasn't built around that. I want to see. I think Hyatt could be a great slot weapon. You know. Like, you guys have a lot of those slot receivers, but you guys don't seem to use your receivers in that traditional sense. So I'd like to see him more play in the slot, you know. You guys also have Wandale Robinson, who is a really great gadget player. Yeah, Paris Campbell, who had signed an over $10 million contract, didn't really show up this season. Except Sterling Shepard, who I forgot on the team, he had his send-off when he got, on the last play, when he got called at the end of... The intros with the defense had a really big standing ovation. They try to give him a touchdown, try to give him a rush, got down at the one, try to give him a passing touchdown. It went just either off his hand or a terrible throw. But a lot of these are slot receivers. I feel you can kind of look at it how Arthur Smith and the Falcons. If you get a physical receiver who Isaiah Hodgins would be that physical receiver. If you have that physical receiver as kind of like a decoy, that kind of opens up the a slot that drags the crosses a little bit more if one safety is following you could do a little disguise just get a cross right down the middle it's right there a lot of slots a lot of great route runner it's just really wasn't used as you were saying effectively mm-hmm. but, just the giants offense it's it has pieces to be to be good like you you have saquon like i said you you either have to make a change at quarterback and getting Daniel Jones out of there if you want to, I feel, attack more vertically. Mm-hmm. Or you're going to have to get some different receivers in there. Like, I, you know, like you're you're kind of built for that slot system. You don't have anyone great. You, it seems like there's like a bunch of like middle tier slot receivers, like like a late stage Jamison Crowder, it feels like. Good at getting open, can catch you a ball, but he's just reliable, you know. He's not going to go anything crazy. He might get eight catches for 50 yards, something like that. Well, I found it kind of weird, like, kind of ending off on this, that Daniel Jones get out and you get Tyrod Taylor, who loved to throw the ball down to Jalen Hyatt, had a really good throw, I believe, to Slayton in one of the last games. Tyrod loved to throw it down. Daniel Jones really, he he had some good throws, but didn't really have the trust to throw it down enough. But... Let's, let's go to a better topic for you, at least. Here's, hey, for both of us, the defensive line. But you, though. Well, the Jets' defensive line is another beast. Mm-hmm. Jeff Ulbricht and Robert Salo have done a great job with this defensive line. What they do so well is bring in so many different pass rushers and rotate them all. You have your elite ones. You have Quinn and Williams. You have your Bryce Huffs, but they also, they don't play all the time. They rotate everyone. They keep them fresh. That's why the line is so good. Quinnen Williams wasn't an all-pro this year, but I felt like there was such great defensive tackle line across the play. Justin Madubike from the Ravens played amazing this year. Loved watching him play. Almost had a great sack on Mahomes, but somehow Mahomes literally does a 360 and gets out of it just to be sacked by someone else, (laughs) losing the credit. But, you know, like Jeff Simmons, Sexy Dexy, Aaron Donald, there was, there's so many 
Chris Jones, so many good defensive tackles this year. Christian Wilkins for Miami, Devon Godshaw for the Patriots. Like, it's such an integral part to a defense now. I feel like defensive tackles that can that are elite at rushing the pass like that are starting to become more and more prevalent. You know, I know that some of those guys I listed aren't always pass rushers, but they're still forces to be reckoned with in the middle, like Jeff Simmons. I mean, it's also key on defense to create a lot of pressures. And yeah. that's what a lot pressure, of those Pressure, do. some people like that more than sacks. So if you're able to get elite D linemen and push it back, you love that. But, you know, Jermaine Johnson got his first Pro Bowl nod this year. I thought, you know, first round pick last year, it really took that year to develop. Looks amazing this year. Loved watching him play. Got a pick six somehow. Got a safety. <laughs> just, just like one of those fun electric guys on the line to watch. Bryce Huff, very little known guy. We pick him up and start using him in our rotation. Genuinely has pressure rates and double team rates comparable with Miles Garrett and TJ Watt. Amazing situational rusher. You can't leave him out there all three downs, but he's amazing when he rushes. You know, and then you have the guys like Will McDonald that we drafted this year. John Franklin Myers is a hybrid 3-4 end, can play outside or inside the tackles. Michael Clemens, Solomon Thomas, all these other rotational pieces just add so much more because they're all, they're all good in their own right at what they do. And then, you know, I need to take Quinnen out. I can go throw in Michael Clemens, and I'm sure that he can stand his own on that D-line. I need some interior pressure on third down. Give me some Solomon Thomas and John Franklin Myers if I need Quinnen out, you know? You have, like I said, Huff, you know, Jermaine Johnson, McDonald on the edges to name a couple. And those guys are just constantly rotating, making life hell for other quarterbacks. You know, McDonald had an okay rookie year. I think he's going to be a lot better next year, like Jermaine Johnson's jump. But also the Giants D-line, fun to watch. Kayvon Thibodeau had a breakout year this year, I'd say. Yeah, he's he was Loved mainly known him. as a power rusher. He didn't, not really great in the run, wasn't really effective in creating edge, but... If you gave him at least three, four seconds, he's going to create a lot of pressure. And which I did want to go back to you with Jermaine Johnson, who was really known schemed just stop the outside scramble. And it was really in the draft when Joe Douglas was saying he needed a guy to make Josh Allen stay in the pocket and not run outside. And I liked how the first game of the year, he did get like two sacks on Josh Allen. But going back to Thibodeau, is it Thibodeau or Thibodeau? I think it's Thibodeau. Because if we go to the Knicks, Tom Thibodeau, Thibodeau, that's been pissing me off. I, I just say it's Thibs. 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 See, now that's... In the draft, the- <laughs> when, the, when the draft was coming, I'm like, all right, Thibs and Sauce, Thibs and Sauce, that's why I want to draft. <laughs> but... He, he's more known as a power rusher. He was especially trying to get his power rushing moves in. Not really a speed rusher. He had some nice speed. He had some nice speed to power moves on Mackay Becton in the Jets to Giants game. I saw a lot of him flashing. You know, sexy Dexy. Yeah, sexy Dexy. He he's a run stopper, but he also does have some. He's passing. got some nice power power tools in his arsenal. And he's he's up there with D tackle sacks. He's really known. He has the most pressures with. Was it PFF? PF, PFF mm-hmm. grade in pressures. He's like top five in the league, which it's really good for a D tackle. It's you really want him for a run stop. But if you also have pass, pass rush, that's also a really good one-two punch. 
Ozir Obdrori, which is really hard to say. I'm shocked I said that right. Again, what you were saying before the podcast, he's a very solid 3-4 backer, not really a 4-3. He's not really good on four downs. What's that? Four stance? Hmm? Four stance? Oh, out of a four-point stance. Four-point stance, thank you. But he's more he's better standing up speed. He's more of a speed rush. And then if you kind of create that pocket, Thibs would go down and go inside and get him. And he's solid, but he the last three years he's only played half the games he could play. And that injury were from leg to arm to concussion to just a lot of injuries. I mean, it's kind of funny how we talk about D line, but Obdurari and Thibs, they were really coming in the league. They were linebackers. I mean, just how they schemed, they kind of schemed 3 4, and you kind of get those two on the outside. I mean, Thibodeau is definitely more of an edge rusher than Ojolari is. He, I, he is an edge rusher. He's much like, taller, much bigger. Yeah. I'm not putting him out in coverage in a 3 4 flat. I, Which he like, did. Occasionally, but, but I don't like it. Mm-hmm. I, I feel more comfortable with Ojolari out there. But, you know, Thibodeau, like you said, better pass rusher. You know, if you're running a 3-4, you run sexy Dexy at nose tackle, have Thibodeau at an end, whoever else on your other end, I'm not entirely sure. And then Ojolari is one of those backers who can rush or drop back. I do like that D-line, and I think Thibodeau is going to be a pretty good pass rusher. Like a minimum seven sack a seat, like a bad year. I think he could, you know, like seven sacks yeah. is about what he'd be getting, but... I, I really like to watch him play. I wanted him for the Jets. Very toolsy guy. You know, and I, I feel like a lot of those edge rushers really broke out. Hutch had a really good year. Thibodeau. Jihad Ward had a really good year setting the edge. He got that big hit on Derrick Henry a year ago, which mm-hmm. was really known, especially Derrick Henry being like 6'5". We also had Rakeem Nunez Roaches, really good run stopper. TJ Davidson had some good plays. It was kind of more toward the end of the season. Then we got... It was Boogie Basham. That's his name. Boogie Basham. Basham. Wasn't he an XFL guy? I think so. I'm not entirely sure. That name sounds really familiar. He had some plays, didn't really play as much, but he was more of a rush behind Thibodeau. But this is also a good way of talking about 3-4. We can also get with some linebackers because how the Giants at least played, running a 3-4 really excelled their linebacker core. And maybe you could say the same also. I'm not really too familiar with the Jets. Yeah, we... We really have our rushers rush, and we don't. We try not to blitz a lot. We try to rely on that rotation. So really, C.J. Mosley and Quincy Williams were the main, like our main off-ball linebackers. Quincy Williams was an amazing back back when we first got him. He was on the Jaguars, and we picked him up. It was like a first priority waiver pickup. Mm-hmm. Been great since then. Last year was an amazing run stopper, and then he developed the pass coverage aspect to his game. Won his first All-Pro. Congrats to him. Love to see it. Played amazing for us. And CJ Mosley also had another very good year. Not second-team All-Pro like he was last year, but still playing at a nice Pro Bowl level. You know, that contract wound up working itself out. Sometimes it doesn't for linebackers. So he, we have to make a decision on his future pretty soon, and I hope he stays around cheaply to help mentor some of the new guys. But outside of them... Not much depth, like Hamza Nassiladeen, Jamie Sherwood, not that great, like Chaz Surratt, preseason guy, Sayer Barnes, just a lot of like toolsy linebackers behind them, like really like fast coverage guys that are like 
they really don't have their game 100% of the way there. Just, we, we need some more thumpers. I, I feel like we need one or two, like, big, like a Bobby, not not saying it's a skill level of Bobby Wagner, but, like, like a tackling Size? guy. Yeah, like yeah. a bigger middle linebacker tackle, some, like a Jack Campbell, too, that I the mean, Lions CJ Mosley was really that tackle. Yeah, he is that. He is that tackle machine. But, like, just, like, in case someone gets hurt, I just want someone like that on the bench. Yeah, um, I mean, Blake Martinez, if he's coming back, wanted to be in New York. Yeah, I'm good. But I will say the Giants. Bobby Okarike had an amazing year. Loved watching him. Yeah, Isaiah yeah. Simmons came into his own finally. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing with Isaiah Simmons, it's kind of weird. Sometimes he was really known for coverage linebackers. They love to blitz him off the edge just for his speed with you being very um, flexible. He's also, he was a safety in college. They had him man up against tight ends sometimes, especially with his size and his speed. That was really well. It was kind of just like the Cardinals, which is where do you put him? Do you keep him there? And if you keep keep flipping him, it's like where how is he gonna develop if he's going so many positions and trying to learn them? But yeah, Bobby Okarike was living up to his contract. It was a four year forty four million, which is about eleven AAV. He led the team in tackles. He had I think he led the team in force fumbles. He had two, three interceptions. Yeah, like Four and a half sacks, six sacks. Just, just one of those linebackers that can really do it all. Excels at everything. Well, it's not a, not an all-pro. Which, to be honest... When you're going against Fred Warner, it's really hard to win an all-pro. And Fred Warner and... Like Roquan's in the Roquan. AFC. Still, yeah, I, I, I remember him from the Bears, so before I said NFC, but like still. Didn't Bobby Wagner get a Pro Bowl this year? I think he did. He also he played pretty well this year. And then we look at Michael McFadden. Michael McFadden, he was third on the team with tackles. He had, really had a breakout year. He had a, really a lot of run stuffs, kind of just figuring out which gap they'll go into when a run play happened. And he really plugged in really well. A really great breakout season. And personally, if we look at this, I really don't think they're gonna they're gonna run a three four, especially with Wink and all of his guys out. We'll talk about Winkin a little, me at least gonna talk about Winkin a little bit. You definitely have a lot of insight also. But if we look at next year, you're probably gonna put Isaiah Simmons as kind of like a safety guy. I feel like Michael McFadden had a great year that you can just plug him as the linebacker too. And I think really perfect, especially how his breakout was. But say if we're gonna talk about Isaiah Simmons going into a D-back, why don't we talk about your D-backs? The elite trio. Well, I may be a little biased, but I think the Jets had the best cornerback room or second best in the league this season. It was better. People might want to say Dallas. I don't believe that to be true. Dallas is just weird. It's just Dallas. They also fell apart when it mattered most, so. I mean, with Dallas is also, they were really aggressive. Either they get a pick or, in this case, against the Seattle game, is you get really aggressive and it costs you with going like 75 yards from DK, but. The Jets mm-hmm. have kind of a different defense going with you. Just the Jets' defense is really predicated around <laughs> don't don't throw on us. Like Sauce 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 is often like criticized for his lack of interceptions by other cornerbacks in the NFL or ex cornerbacks, ex cornerbacks, fathers of cornerbacks on the Chargers <laughs> that are known for getting interceptions, but. Yeah, Asante Samuel Sr. went after him for saying, you know, you don't deserve it, you don't get picks, but he just, he doesn't really allow 
anyone near him. People say he's grabby. I don't personally believe it. I think you could pull film from all the cornerbacks and see that. That's just how you're supposed to play corner, especially if you're a physical guy, you're going to grab more, you know. But I don't think it's egregious. I don't think it's foul-worthy like people say all the time. Obviously, you have some instances where it is, but most instances it is not. Michael Carter, amazing for our slot, you know, plays inside. At one point in the season, I think at week 13 or 14, I saw a stat. Sauce Gardner and Michael Carter were two of the three most players with the least coverage yards allowed. The third, I believe, was Jalen Johnson on the Bears. But just, they don't allow yards. And DJ Reed, too. DJ Reed, like, was an amazing free agent pickup by Joe Douglas. You know, really snuck under the wire. And just to get another baller cornerback aside from Sauce, which means, you know, you can't really run. You have to pick somewhere where you're going to try to break through. You know, you either have to try to get through Sauce, DJ Reed, or Carter. And I don't like any of those options. The better option would be to try to go deep on the safeties. Ashton Davis this year drafted him in the third round, super athletic guy, and thought that he would be a bigger part of the defense when we first drafted him. Kind of didn't play well, but he's starting to step into his role now, really playing very well on special teams. You know, starting to step it up on defense this year. Had had an amazing play near the end zone, blowing up a run play this year, just really adding to his game year after year. One of those guys on your roster that, you know, you don't necessarily need him there, but he's nice to have. He's that guy who keeps getting better and better year after year. You know, Jordan Whitehead started the year literally getting his bonus for her interceptions in a season, one game against Josh Allen. And in the three that game. Yeah. Literally like got got paid that game for his bonus. And then had a had a decent year after, you know, lots of ups and downs. That's how I feel like Whitehead is. And then Tony Adams is the last safety I want to mention, you know. We did have like Adrian Amos come in, you know, during the season and we were supposed to have Chuck Clark, but he tore his ACL before the season even started. Even training camp started. But Tony Adams was a guy who was on the roster, young player. Looked really, really good in training camp. Got a lot of snaps this year. And I'm looking to see his continued breakout next year. I thought he played very well. And he pushed a lot of those guys out of the way so that way he could play. Mm-hmm. And I think next year, you know, with guys like Chuck Clark in the room too, I think he can hopefully take that next step. And, you know, it's pretty easy to play safety when you got guys like Sauce, Michael Carter, and DJ Reed out there. So... Hopefully these guys can capitalize. Well, I have one of, I have a friend who is also a Jets fan, a very avid Jets fan who likes to talk when stuff's not going on. I was talking about this with you before. It's, I found it weird how they run sauce. They don't follow. No. It's, sauce has a third. Reed has a third. And now they, they play like, they, they'll obviously play their side of the field. And then Carter plays the slot. However, they want to divvy it up, you know, with, you know. They'll have Carter sometimes drop towards the middle of the field, you know, and like a Tampa two, they'll run a hook curl or maybe go out to the flat or go deep if it, it'll, like I said, it all depends on what the scheme is, but they all each have their roles and they feel confident in the defense where it's like, yo, we don't need to follow you. 
no matter where you go, you're going to have a hard time. So teams try to, you know, often keep their ones away from sauce, but it just doesn't work even when they're there. And one thing to note, the scheme, it, the scheme is very good too, because the Jets beat the Eagles. Obviously the Eagle, the Jets beat the Eagles when they were still undefeated, I believe. Yes. And we had sauce and DJ Reed out with injury concussions, I believe. And they still sh stepped up and shut down that passing game. So it goes to show that cornerback depth on this team runs deep. Bryce Hall was a guy who had a starting job, was one of those late draft picks by Joe Douglas. Then he kind of fell off last year. And then this year when he had a shot, played great. Eccles played great when he had a shot. Javelin Gidry. A lot of these guys on this team have great depth and are just, you love to watch them succeed. Like, I don't feel confident that there's going to be a steep drop off in play if somebody gets hurt, which is a rare thing to have in this league, especially at a position like cornerback that is invaluable to his team's success going forward. You know, but the Giants, really, they Deontay Banks was an amazing draft pick for them. He had a great year. So the Giants' defense, they like to blitz a lot. They like to run a lot of cover two man. And Banks was a guy who had a lot of speed and can cover pretty well. And he had a big test again while I was telling you at guard Samuel, C.D. Lamb twice, A.J. Brown twice, Stephon Diggs, Garrett Wilson. And he was looking really well, especially as a rookie, which I'm happy about because the commanders drafted Emmanuel Forbes Jr., who I saw firsthand, got benched after a second quarter. And getting benched was a great idea, especially since... There was four straight receivers before, before Banks, which we did with the receiver, but I think Banks worked out really well with Johnson getting picked, Flowers getting picked. I'm missing two other guys. Who were two other guys that got picked? I'm not sure. Flowers, Johnson. It's going to come up in my head, but that's going to bother me for a little bit. He's a Vikings guy. Oh, my God. The Vikings, the rookie, the Vikings rookie receiver. Jordan Addison. Thank you. Jordan Addison. There may have been one more. I'm not entirely sure that's going to bother me. But if we really look at this cornerback death, besides Banks, who else really is there? Dory Jackson was looking good at the start. He didn't really have a great ending. He did get benched against the Eagles game, which a lot of broken tackles. He's a little, He's the oldest guy in this, how do you say it, cornerback room. He's also really expensive, a little over $10 million a year. He also did have a lot of... Slot guys, you had Quirrell Flott, Darday Holmes, who they were both up and down, had really good against the playoffs last year against the Vikings. Then we had preseason legend Trey Hawkins, who gave up a perfect pass rating. I, I, I genuinely don't even know like how that's possible over the course of an NFL season to give up a perfect pass rating. You know, and then I will say your safety room, you know, like you said, Xavier McKinney has been great. Yeah. I love that draft pick. He's been a stud for you guys. Reliable behind the defense backstop. And then you guys at, at your other safety have Jets legend Pinnock. Jason Pinnock. Jason Pinnock, yeah. I forgot his first name for a second. It's been a Madden couple of years. 23 legend. Dane Belton. Dane Belton. I don't even remember him, but. he was a, He's a short guy. He has like 96 speed and he's just a monster. With Xavier McKinney, I also meant to say Bobby, Bobby Okereke, not Okereke. Okereke, he, they both of them played 100% of the snaps this year. 
No mm-hmm. injuries. It was, I believe, two of three. I forgot who the other guy was. I will say, though, Pinnock, you know, he used to be a cornerback for us. Mm-hmm. And then he, I remember he signed with the um, practice squad. I really liked him. It was sad to see him go. But transferring to safety was a great really, move for him. Yeah. And he's really been playing pretty good. He had a lot of clutch picks. He had one, I believe, could have been against the Patriots, a 102-yard pick six. No, it was the Dolphins. I remember two or three of the pick. 102 yard pick six, which was the record for the Giants. And you could essentially, what I feel what's going to happen is they're going to draft a cornerback, maybe third, fourth round to try and balance this out. I really don't see them getting a Dory Jackson any much longer. He's kind of going to be like James Bradbury was. Really, one really good season, one or two. He's going to get older and more expensive. He's going to get blown up in man, and he's going to be the talking point of Twitter or X. X. But the secondary is really good. I feel like we're, we're going to have to talk about this a little bit. It's just how they scheme. It, it's hard. You but the, the amount of blitzing that Wink did last year. And stress because the offense wasn't on the field that long. It was a lot of three Yeah, I mean, so yeah. much stress in, in Wink's defense. So much stress is placed on the secondary. It, it reminds me of the Jets do it to an extent, but we do it differently. So instead of, say, rushing five or six they rotate their pass rushers. So we have more pass rushers on the roster. Again, what you're saying. We have to spend more, but they're always fresh. And that's how we get the pressure. You know, Mm -hmm. the Giants, they're this, both defenses are still predicated on bringing that pressure, but you do it by bringing those extra guys. So you get more sacks and it's hard. You know, you stick all those guys in one-on-one coverage, not a lot of back, you know, blitzing, it's high risk, high reward. That's just how it is. So, I mean, we're going to switch gears. We're going to talk about coaching staff. I feel like yours, I, I could say a lot about mine, but we're looking at this. You have a lot to say as well. Yeah. So the co- the coaching staff in New York for the Jets is, it's very weird. Like, I could, you could make an argument to me for a couple different courses of action. You could make an argument for Robert Sala to stay. You could make an argument you want him to go. You, you could make it an argument that you want somebody else in the organization to be head coach. There's just, there's a lot of weird dynamics too that go on with the Aaron Rodgers signing and everything that dictate our coaching staff. Like Nathaniel Hackett is regardless, has been amazing coordinating the defense. Love to watch them, you know, coaching at the senior bowl this year. I, I really like him and I, don't want to see him go leave somewhere else What's to go the, play. I'm sorry to stop you. The West and East Senior Bowl? West East Senior Bowl, yeah. not the Reese's you Senior Bowl. You have... The Shrine Bowl. So yeah, you have... Yeah, you have a coach on the West side, I think. Yep. It's, and then we have... The East. Kaska yeah. The East. So, you know, that that's another great opportunity for both teams to get to see a lot of prospects up and close. I really like when teams have the opportunity to go out and coach at those games because, you know, they're not doing anything now. They're prepping for next season. Why not Why not go out there, get that extra experience? I, I love that kind of thing. And it's sad that those kind of all-star games are dying. I don't, I don't necessarily like the games as much, but I like yeah. how they get to go out there and everything surrounding it, you know. You have the interviews. It's, it's the combine but better because it's not packed all into that week. You know, you have a bowl here you have a bowl there it's more relaxed i'd say more about football than the politics of it i didn't want to say with the senior bowls i thought that it was the two worst teams at least draft pick wise which this year it would be 
the Bears in Arizona. One and two, Bears, Arizona. I thought it'd be them, but it's just Giants who are. No, well, that's just because of draft picks. It would have been Carolina and it would have been. You're Arizona. absolutely right. But either or no, Carolina and Washington, actually. Washington was number two this year. Yes. Really? But yeah, yeah, they're number two pick. But like I said, Brand Boyer's been kicking butt on special teams for a while. One of his guys actually got signed to go coordinate special teams with the Giants. Yes. You know, Brand Boyer's made it through multiple different coaching regimes. He's he, he's the rock in the coaching staff. He he's been there. He's been in New York. He's just kind of doing his thing. Special teams are always good. Thomas Morstead, all pro, should be. You know, Greg Deleg had a pretty good season kicking the ball for us, and I hope he comes back as well. But you know, I love I love some Brent Boyer, Nathaniel Hackett. Like I mentioned before, we don't have a wide receivers coach right now, but it's looking like they're going to hire Sean Jefferson from the Panthers. And I don't know if I like that that much. That much. I don't know enough about because that. like Adam Thielen was good for like half the year, and then he kind of disappeared. And they drafted guys like Terrace Marshall. That kind of didn't do much. They they just don't really have that many weapons over there or have developed Jonathan anyone. Mingo? Really? Like Jonathan Mingo? Like I th- I thought Terrace Marshall Jr. was going to be pretty good in the league, but sadly he hasn't been so far. And then you also have, you know, guys like DJ Moore who were there for who were there, but they left now. And how much could you really say that he developed it? Then Keith Carter from the Titans is still our offensive line coach. I liked the hire last year because I thought he could bring back the like the Derrick Henry offense to the Jets. And some of the players don't seem to like him. Like Makai Becton publicly basically went on record saying, I fucking hate, or excuse me, I hate Keith Carter. Oh, uh, you can say that. It's, yeah. okay. it's a but, quote. It's a quote. Yeah, it's a quote. But it's like... There just seems to be a divide there. And the, the the guy on offense that I really like, everyone loves Ron Middleton. Ron Middleton got to coach when during during uh, the COVID years. Robert Sala caught COVID he, and everyone else. He was the guy that had to coach one of our games. And it was fun. I was actually at that game. It was Jets-Jags, I think. And Was that the Thursday night football game? No, no. That was know. last year. This was two years ago. Okay. Uh, it, that one was on the day before. Or no, I think it was the day after Christmas. I was supposed to go to that Thursday night football game. I was thinking about buying tickets too. I saw <laughs> 10 bucks, but they're 10 bucks for a reason. Because Zach Wilson was your quarterback at that time. And it was, no, it was because it was pouring. Yeah, it was pouring, it was that, pouring game, so. that game. But, you know, everyone loves Ryan Middleton in, in New York and the fan base, it seems like. So hopefully he doesn't go anywhere. And then the big guy himself, Salah. I, I don't know wh- where to sit with Salah because I, I genuinely think he should have next year as a shot because. They've cultivated a great defense. They've cultivated a great locker room, you know, with all the young guys and just it's not really toxic. It's It could get there if things go south, but it doesn't seem to be that toxic. And he just seems like a great leader as a coach. But that begs the question, you know, you have all these penalties. We were first in penalties this year. You got to clean that up. You just have to. And then you get some, you just get some other issues going on and... It it's not good. Were a lot of the penalties like offsides, holding some of them? But the, we also did have a fair share of like a roughing the passer, like undisciplined, like stupid ones. I mean, roughing the passer is also a joke in the NFL. 
You yeah, can tickle the guy. You, you could argue that. But oh either way, if you're first, you have to clean it up. And then some people are like, you know, maybe he Salah was the great guy to build the roster. But is he the guy to get us to the next level? Mm. You also have to consider that. And now there's guys on the market like Bill Belichick, who I doubt he comes back. But that would be... <laughs> That would be something, but uh, or a guy like I would personally love to see Mike Vrabel. If 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 you told me today that I you could fire Robert Sala and get Mike Vrabel in here right now, I'd do it. I'd do it in a heartbeat. I love Mike Vrabel. I loved what he did with the Titans, but like you know, someone like that, like a CEO type, like Vrabel, is he the guy that takes this roster from what it is and then propels it forward? So there's a lot of questions with the coaching staff, and I think we just need. This next year, it's going to happen, for better or for worse. We're rolling with Rodgers. If yeah. it goes down in flames, it goes down in flames, and it's over. It was two years. We tried. If it succeeds, it succeeds. I feel know? like you have to give Rodgers a chance. I feel like Rodgers can definitely buy that offense. Yeah. Imagine. I just don't want him to go down and it be another lost yeah. year because then you have, we have to do this for another year. And, and that's what always happens. Million just for him to sit there. And Garrett Wilson had a really good year, too. A thousand Zach yards Wilson, with yeah, Trevor two years Simeon. in a row. And imagine Garrett, I mean not Garrett, Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. with Garrett Wilson. That might be a different Garrett That Wilson. is my keeper pick in Dynasty. So I I draft I draft I he was undrafted last year. I picked him up mm-hmm. for after the like the week after the Browns game. I kept him on my roster. He's a sixteenth round pick, then he's gonna be a fourteenth, then a twelfth, then a ten. I'm keeping him until he's like a like third round pick. I believe, like, at least in ESPN, he was like a fourth for third. Some people viewed him as a third just because of Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, so, and I got him in the last round. So him and uh, Kyron Williams are coming back next year. Mm-hmm. Actually, if, if they draft a running back, maybe not. But I, I have a couple options. But And then on to the GM side, Joe Douglas. Very controversial in New York. Personally, I love Joe Douglas. I want him to stay. I think he's tried to make this team better. You can't deny that he has, in his time here, he's put two first-round picks into the offensive line. He has. It's it's a fact. AVT has been hurt, and Becton has been hurt. AVT, so you can't control that, and Becton got himself better, and, you know, I, I want him to succeed. You know, you do have your misses. You have Zach Wilson, you know, wasn't able to draft. Denzel Mims and Elijah Moore kind of flamed out. Not not good. No backup QB this year. And he's tried to rebuild the line, but ultimately he's failed. There's no real good line in place right now that we have a couple guys. And like you even you used a second round pick on a center this year, but you, you never know. Did he do good this year? I know he wasn't. He was good in run blocking, not really in pass blocking, but he was also, he didn't start the year because we wanted to, like the McGovern Rogers connection was there. Okay. And then McGovern got hurt. And then Tittman played. Then Tittman got hurt. Did, was Tidman like used as like, because we could talk about this with well, John. Well, we used him at guard, actually, yeah. okay. because, you know, we're like, okay, he's obviously like ne- our next best lineman. We'll stick him at guard. Then McGovern got hurt, so we went back to center. Yeah. And then he got hurt, so he didn't even line Fair up enough. doing that. But you could also say he's had hits. He landed Sauce Gardner. Michael Carter, the cornerback, was a late-round draft gem. You know, DJ Reed, great signing. Didn't draft Quinnen, but drafted Quincy, you know, extended Huff, an amazing situational edge rusher he found, you know, as a UDFA. Same with John Franklin Myers, got him from the Rams practice squad. An amazing rotational piece, Garrett Wilson. You know, 
Joe Douglas is really good at finding value. And I think the way to win in the NFL is to find value. You know, I could get a first round caliber player with a first round pick. And you obviously don't want to mess those things up. You can't keep messing up your first round pick and still have a job. But if you're able to get consistently second round, third round level players deep in the draft and find players who can contribute uh, as a UDFA or whatever, I think that that's one of his strengths and that's very hard to do. Jason Brownlee was one of those guys this year in our returner, uh, Xavier Gibson, and two UDFA guys that are, you know, balled out in camp and had. So I really like how he does that. And his trades, he always gets very good value for players. Jamal Adams, when he was disgruntled, clearly wanted out of New York, he literally got Garrett Wilson and Elijah Vera Tucker basically for Jamal Adams. An amazing trade. And he always finds ways to trade up, get more picks, really try to get those, you know, shots in the draft. And I think he does very well with trying to get the, all those players together. But you ultimately have those misses. He hasn't rebuilt the line. So some people would say, you know, get him out of town. But based off of the fact that he can find those diamond in the rough guys and he's trying, it's not like he hasn't tried, you know, it's not like he's completely neglecting it. And it, it's hard to build an offensive line. There's yes. way better edge rushers than there are offensive linemen in the league. So there's always a talent deficit there. And then everyone wants to keep their line for that reason. So it's, even if you go out and you sign the best free agent lineman every year, that's only one guy. There's still five guys on the line and you still, he's tried, I'll say. And it just doesn't work out. So I say keep Joe Douglas at least for one more year and we'll see. But like if he comes in the draft and, you know, I don't think it'll be anything stupid, but you never know. Yeah. I saw out of the top 50 players, 11 are wide receivers and 11 are offensive tackles. So I could totally see the Jets trading out of number 10. There's there's a big surplus to receivers, yes. Also a lot of tackles. There, there's two top five in just what's it called? tackles alone. Is a, Olu, the guy from Penn State, Olu Chu. I'm not entirely sure how you say it. And Joe Wall. And yeah. if you look at receivers, you have the Washington receiver, Rome Diaz. That's how you pronounce it. Dude, Roma Dunze. Thank you. Marvin Harrison. Yeah, there's a lot of really good guys in the draft what? this year. Yeah, I'm sorry, we got Baker Mayfield. We gotta stop there. Baker Mayfield, or no, Gardner Minshew just replaced Patrick Mahomes in the Pro Bowl. I think he deserves it. I love, I love my Minshew. Fix the Pro Bowl. That, that's our little tangent. Fix the Pro Bowl. Let's man. move it back to Hawaii. Make it a week long thing, please. NFL, fix the Pro Bowl. It could be so fun. Let's go to Hawaii. Yeah, bring I it mean, back to Hawaii. The, like. The they thing, get the week after the Super Bowl again. I like the idea of keeping the week, the, but like no one wants to go because it's the week before. So none of your stars in the Super Bowl are in it. Then it's not even a game anymore. It's flag football. So just like make it the vacation it was supposed to be. Send everyone out to Hawaii. Make it a week long thing. Spread the events out more. Make more events. And also trust me, Honolulu is very nice. <laughs> trust <laughs> me, it's very nice. So like. But that stadium is going underwater, though, so that's partly the reason. Yeah, but you can always, it's the NFL, like, let's be real. If they have the money and capital, if they really wanted to. But But anyway, on to the Giants. Due to the Giants. Brian Dable had a really up and down year when we 
when he came in, he was known as the guy who developed Josh Allen with being the offensive play caller for the Bills. And it was kind of weird this year, which Mike Kafka started off as the offensive play caller. He made some really questionable decisions. And there was this one game, I forgot which game it was. It was Kafka was calling the plays. It was very iffy, really questionable play calling. And then when people believed it went to Dayball after after halftime, and after halftime, they were really driving the ball down the field. He had some drama also with Wink Martindale saying, oh, yeah, we're good friends. And there was reports that saying that, well, this was true, that he got rid of a few of Wink's guys, the linebackers coach, which I believe they were brothers. He got rid of the, maybe the TB's coach. It was, or maybe it was a linebackers coach and assistant linebackers coach. And Wink left the meeting saying he was gone. Really doesn't look good on day ball, kind of establishing that culture of the Giants. But, I mean, he did lead that terrible Giants team to a playoff, beating a kind of fraudulent Minnesota Vikings, who we almost beat during the regular season. It came out with last second field goal from, I believe it was Greg Joseph, kicked a 50-yarder right through the uprights. I also go with Kapka. I feel Kapka is the same thing. You can really point to injuries as an excuse why this offense digress. We lost our... Saquon had that ankle injuries week two against the Cardinals or O-line. We picked Justin Pugh off the couch, so you can make that. Darren Waller was injured the entire year. He got tickled and he was gone. God forbid, we don't even know if he has CTE right now. Receivers, receivers, it's iffy. It could be maybe a little bit more of a GM idea. Again, what we were saying with a lot of slot guys, they really got to establish that physical guy. I feel like Isaiah Hodgins, he was playing really well. It was kind of getting a lot of the slants, the posts, and the outsides. But you can make the excuse that injuries were a focus, but fully, even against that Dallas game, even though it was Dallas's defense, it, just, it really didn't it look just, that great. It just wasn't, like, prepared right, you know? Like, you guys got in a hole, and Daniel Jones started running for his life, and it just didn't look like the team that last year's was. I really liked how your offense was called last year. I thought it worked well because to me, it was Dable showing that he can work with what he has. He didn't have Josh Allen, who is an uber talented quarterback. You have Daniel Jones, you know, and you have to make that work. And then he made that work so well, he got paid a decent amount. And it was, you know, there were comments made by Giants players that like, yo, we really re-signed Daniel Jones. Like, what's the front office doing? We're going to get to that real soon. <laughs> yeah. And but if it's just weird. Like, the offense just regressed. It just seemed different this year. And it wasn't able to get going as much. If you look at the defense, Wink, he's one of the better defensive coaches in the league. He originally came from Baltimore, really developed that very strong front seven, along with really good cornerbacks he has a really great scheme as i was telling with you austin not afraid to blitz one of the best blitzing well most blitzing teams in the league i feel like if he had better weapons that especially better cornerbacks that defense could have been a lot better it's a great scheme but when they're being which it was shown this year he really can't adapt and it's just straight blitzing against what you were saying a lot of the same guys doesn't really help that the offense had a lot of three and outs and the defense didn't have much time to come back and rest but that eventually comes over time a lot of fatigue and fatigue goes to injuries 
And the defense did have some injuries this year. Usually, of course, it's O'Jarari. There's a few other guys. A lot of quarterbacks had some stints with one or two game injuries. Dory Jackson, I believe, got injured a few games also. His guys are gone, and that kind of driven his way out. There was a lot of, especially in the season, that one game may have been against the Patriots where he put on a master class and Dayball gave him the game ball. Like, hey, buddy, here's the game ball. It looked really well. It got a little hog, a little bromance going, and looked really great. And what I was saying before in the offseason, there was a meeting. They got rid of a lot of his guys. Wing basically said, F you, I'm gone. Announced his resignation like a few days later, even though there were reports saying that he did. It really didn't look great from the Giants camp. And we're going to go with a new defensive coordinator. Again, I would personally like to see a 3-4. But I really don't think that we're going to have a 3-4. 3-4 really made our linebackers shine, especially in pass coverage. 4-3, I can understand. be a little more stress on the linebackers. But it's going to be much better for the cornerbacks. But the big one I kind of want to go with Bobby Johnson, offensive line coach, had terrible development, really minus Andrew Thomas. He was a pro bowl, I believe, also an all-pro. I don't really know what else there was. You have Evan Neal's seventh overall pick. He was known in college kind of, of just using his weight to get blocks. That does not translate in the NFL at all. And he, has, he can't really bend, terrible footing, really gets beat. One say it's Eric Flowers' bust, but it's getting up there. We signs Carmen Brickiello. He was a Raiders OC, not OC, O-line coach. He was top 10 in, he was top 10 in a really good pass blocking statistic. Yeah. Might have been an O-line effect, efficiency. Looking really good, especially how mid that Raiders O-line is. Especially having a lot of busts in Letterman a few years ago. But it was kind of kind of happy to get him gone. And we have Carmen back as coach. If we really look at the front office, and office, front office, Austin, I want you to weigh in on this. I kind of said this. I didn't really want to have Daniel Jones signed for even over $40 million, let alone I didn't even want him over for $25 million. I do remember that from last year. And my, my take on it last year was Daniel Jones runs your offense. Based off of last year, you could at least get a competent offense with Daniel Jones. He showed that. And you can see that in the playoffs where it wasn't just passing, it was running. It was running. He he had a very good pla- uh, playoff game. But the issue is, I didn't think he was the long-term answer. I think he's like... Short, a little short-term. Yeah. So I thought what they should do is draft Anthony Richardson because I thought Anthony Richardson would need development. So I said, with the Giants pick, they should have drafted... I didn't think Anthony Richardson would go that high. But I said, if he's still there, they should pick him, let him sit for the year, develop behind Daniel Jones, have him learn from Brian Dable. And then when the year ends, you know, you have the opt-out of Daniel Jones contract. I do like a little franchise tag also. He did have a really great playoffs. User, some sort of contract, not 40 million, not even 30 million. I was really pissed off about that. So the thing is, this upcoming season, he has a believe it could be a team opt out in his contract it was the first two years of his contract signed it last year so i would make it next year and you can easily get out of that contract don't have to guarantee him anything else but there's also really a stigma in the league with halfbacks and it was Kayvon Thibodeau who said that comment over on a radio interview it was why would he sign Daniel Jones when Barkley was just looking so much better 
I know if you look at halfbacks, easily replaceable, always injured. Not Barkley was looking for like a four-year contract, maybe a little over thirteen million, just about being yeah higher but paid, just, not highest. It's also you you get paid relative to your value to the offense, right? Obviously, you get paid as a position, you know. But the real reason you're getting paid is, hey, I'm this much better than this person, so pay me this much because that's what I deserve. You know, and you that was that was the Lamar Jackson talk when he signed that big contract session. It, so which we discussed last spring. Yeah. So, but the thing is, Saquon runs the offense. And relative to other running backs, yeah, I think he should get that 13 mil. Daniel Jones doesn't really run. Like, it, it flows through Saquon is what I'm saying. So, obviously, so he's more valuable to the team. So, I thought they should have gone with him. So, I mean, I just, I don't really understand it. If if we look back at the spring, I would assign Barkley to a contract, put Jones, especially as a quarterback. That's so much more money guaranteed. That but you then can... again, if you let him walk, you have nothing. You have absolutely nothing and you have the 15th pick. So either way, you're not in a good situation. That that was the issue that the Giants had. They're stuck between a rock and a hard place. They just went to the playoffs and they won a game Wait, 15, on the road. 15th pick. Wasn't it like 15 or was it like 10? 2023 draft? Yeah, last 25. Year. Oh, 25. It was that far back. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, I think maybe I was thinking of, like, trading up or something for him. Yeah, I mean, if, you, like, if you give him the franchise tag this year and it sucks, you're going to have a decent draft pick. If you look at our yeah. picks now, you can get... I mean, a lot of the quarterbacks really, you know, pick up. Yeah, so, I, I just thought that... Like, I, I understand why he got the deal. He brought them to a playoff win. He, you know, won on the road mm. in Minnesota. Granted, they weren't the best, but it is a playoff win. Yeah. But it's just... Ugh. He he was just happened to be the quarterback. He happened to be you know there. You you can't not sign him. Like I said, it, it, yeah. it's just a bad situation. But if we look at Sheena as a GM, he did have some crazy hits. Bobby Okariki, Isaiah okay, Simmons. Okay, okay, okay. Isaiah Simmons. I feel like it would have been. It's much better because they got him through a seventh round pick. Banks was looking really well. I feel like Schmitz was one of the best centers. John Michael Schmitz was a great pick. I love him. Yeah, but I remember you saying Tittman was a much better center. I personally would have went with John I like Michael Schmitz more. just because his yeah. flexibility. But, but, I mean, hopefully they're both good and they're there for a long time to come. But if we look at the downsides, the Waller tree looked really good because you were practically trading Cordero's Tony for Darren Waller. But it's just how the picks went. But it looks terrible now, just his... Injury it's been one year, and he played like you really can't give it a fair shake because he was healthy, you know. And you had a lot of guys like you had Tyrod, you had Defito. Like when Daniel Jones was playing, the line was shot, so it's hard to make something like that. And either way, a fifth round, I, I'd a fifth round draft pick is a dart throw anyway. Mm -hmm. So I'd rather throw a dart at a guy who. I know what his upside is. If Waller stays healthy, I know what he can be. If he gets hurt, he gets hurt. Rather than most fifth-round draft picks who, hell, some of them don't even make the roster. You know? So it, it's just like that back and forth, and I think it was worth it. I just think it was the optics of you got Tony with a first, then you had to cut your losses on Tony, and now you're here. And then now, also, Evan Neal was really down, really down move. 
Other than that, it's really too early to tell with his second year. This It's going to be a big draft for him. Got the fifth pick. They have two second-round picks from Seattle, from trading Leonard Williams, which, how do you trade Leonard Williams for a Yeah, I thought that was great value. Because when we traded him to the Giants, we traded him for a fourth mm-hmm. in a contract year. Then you guys extended him for 20-plus mil a year, which I did not agree with. And then you get rid of that for a second. Yeah, I forgot that you guys had Leonard Williams. Jeez. Yeah, he was a good run stopper. Yeah, yeah. he's an amazing 3-4 end at run stopper. But, like, that 20 million was predicated on his sack total that season, which was more him being in the right place rather than him actually generating the pressure, to me at least. Yeah, but if we really look at the offseason, there really isn't too much money. You do have a big contract. Andrew Thompson's over $25 million a year contracts coming in this year. You have Daniel Jones's contract coming in. Dex, Sexy Dexy's getting a little bit more of a heavy contract. Darren Waller's overpaid $10 million, but not too much money is really given for a complete rebuild. If you really want to clean up house next year, there might be more, but it's really just a few moves. Cat really looking like a few people, some are saying 30 million, some are saying 47 million. If you go really that range, you can get maybe three ads, preferably O-line, maybe a receiver. I personally would not want Gabe Davis, maybe T Higgins, something. But again, Gabe Davis screams chief to me i have no idea why i don't know how to back it up but i feel like if he goes to the chiefs he's going to be what everyone thought he was going to be after the four touchdown game deep threat i think he's going to be a better way he's like the mvs upgrade like he he's i mean it's not saying much but i feel like he'd be more reliable mvs yeah but i mean the last little segment of the day is if do we do we want to make our current new york team combine in the two no. All right. You so started let's off. Let's go like this. Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback. You have to have a flex between Brees and Saquon. Obviously, you got to use both of them. And they're both good at everything. So you can, I like how you can use them interchangeably. Yeah. It's like the Jets D line. You rotate. If we go with the receiver, we have to go Garrett. Garrett, number one. I take Lazard. Hyatt. No, I take Hyatt over Lazard. And then I take, like, we'll take five. I take Wandale just because of the gadget ability. I would take the. Eh. I'd rather see Brownlee because you can bury him on the depth chart. You don't have to necessarily use him. Okay. And then who else would you take? I truly would go Lazard just because he's six five and he's fast. Yeah. We go tight ends. Tight end. I'd go. We'll take three. I'd say Waller, Ruckert, Conklin. I like that. Because I'd I'd want to run a lot of two tight end sets with this team to block a lot more to help out with the line, which I'm not even, I'm not going to, we're not going to do the O-line. We're what just going to. What did we, what did you say before the podcast? We just have Garrett Wilson out there. Yeah, you have Garrett ends, Wilson with two, two tight ends, two halfbacks, and you're either running the ball, running some sort of option. That, round, that sounds like some Madden cheese right there. It's also just a good offense. If you have two running backs who can do it all, tight ends that can, you know, you know, if Ruckert and Conklin are better run blockers than Waller, Waller's almost a slot receiver. So we'll go tackles, Andrew Thomas. Andrew Thomas, and I'd say Mackay Becton is probably the next best option. Guards, Elijah Vera Tucker. Or Michael Schmitz. Maybe McGovern if he's healthy. That's center. So Michael Schmitz normally is center. Well, we'll take Schmitz and Titman. Okay. And then 
our other guard is Lakin Tomlinson, and he could go back to the level of play he was at. Both, or he our, guards could stay. Are, both our guards are terrible. Yeah, I'd rather I'd rather see Tipman at center and Schmitz at guard. So defense now. D line. This is gonna be fantastic. <laughs> if if you're playing someone and you see Quinn and Williams, will go. Dexter we'll go, Loris, yeah, Thibodeau, Sauce. Well, well, we go Jermaine. I'd go. I'd go. What oh, do you want to want? You need, we, we go you need a lot for D line. Go three four or four three. You can you can run it either way. We'll we'll pretend like it's a nickel. I defense. feel like we're yeah. so we're just getting D line and we're just getting off ball linebackers. So so like for D line, it's Thibodeau. I'd go Ojolari for a nice hybrid. Okay. We're in the Thibodeau, Ojolari, Dexy for the middle. And then I'd also take Quinnen, Jermaine Johnson, and Huff. Okay. But if I take two more linemen, that's six. So if I take, what, eight for four spots, I'd also take John Franklin Myers and... Did I say Huff? Yes. Then I'll take McDonald. Because I think because Germ- uh, JFM has that flexibility to go yep. end to tackle. How and- many middle linebackers are going? Two. Over- well, I take four line. I take four. I'll- four. We'll take five linebackers because oh. you don't have to That's rotate. Go, but like, go I'm taking yeah. Will Williams, Mos- Quincy, Bobby Okariques, yep, Isaiah Simmons, and CJ Mosley. I'd rather four. use yeah yeah. Uh, well, on four. Well, you need three linebackers. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah. If you're not running a slot receiver or a slot cornerback, but cornerbacks, you need them. You need all defensive positions to rotate. Like, I'd use Isaiah Simmons and like C and Quincy. Flex. And Quincy as your sub linebackers, and then CJ and Bobby as your regular linebackers. But then again, they're all good. So, like, you could rotate. Like, I feel like CJ and Oak Rica are more run stoppers. Why do I feel like Isaiah Simmons would be a better sub? No, I said him at sub. Oh, you did? Him and Quincy at sub okay. because they're a little bit better at pass coverage. Yeah. But Quincy can still. So Quincy can do it all. Isaiah is a pass coverage guy. You know, Bobby can do it all, but I feel a little less. And then CJ can do it all, but he's slower and old. Do you want to go plainly DBs or do you want to go X amount of cornerbacks, X amount of safeties? Take five corners. Okay. I was, I'm say, I'm saying yep. Sauce, DJ Reed, Michael Carter. Let's go Banks. Banks. And I don't even know. I'd go All the Giants is a Dory. Yeah, I'd go a Dory Jackson, honestly. Okay. Hopefully he can bounce back again. There we go. Safeties. Really just put from Xavier McKinney. McKinney. I'd you know, you have to have McKinney. I'd go Tony Adams. Mm-hmm. I'd want because of how he broke out, and I think he's going to keep getting better. Who else at safety? I, you could say Chuck Clark. I think Chuck Clark's probably the second best safety, but he tore his ACL. You put, we're missing. We're missing a safety. Did you say Whitehead? I didn't say Whitehead. I'd rather have Adams over Whitehead because okay. you have McKinney plays like strong safety no, and free. No, he's more free, but he can do both, right? Yes. Like Tony Adams is more of a free safety, so I figured okay. put McKinney at strong because he can do both. Yeah. And you know, I'll bring Whitehead too. And we have to go the one-two combo of Morstead and Drake the Lake. The, the but, thing is, but the we, thing is, the Scottish Hammer is an awesome punter name. Jamie Gillen is yeah is, is a lit punter, but like Ted was a was genuinely elite this year. But we also have to put backup kicker. Got we gotta put Fat Randy in there. 
we had Fat Randy for a few games. We had to put Fat Randy in. Oh, man, Randy Bullock. And head coach. Head coach. Do we really want to go coaches or? I, for a head coach, I'd take Brian Dable because he won a playoff game. Same for offensive coordinator. I'd take Jeff Ulbrich for our DC because I feel that fits the team better. Brand mm. Boyer for special teams because you literally just hired a, one of his disciples to do it. Mm. That's what I'd say for that. And then we're the GMs, so. Yes, we are. Let's go with the New York Gets. Yeah, the New York Knickerboxers. The, we're the New York Gets. Let's <laughs> put the New York Knickerboxers. Like, Knickerboxers. For the Knicks all, the, all those years ago, man. That, that was that was not a good call. No. All right. Well, next week, we'll hopefully see you for the Super Bowl. I will be in Las Vegas at that point. We're recording this on January 30th. So, you know, we're getting a little bit ahead of the schedule, but... We're going to see a little special surprises from you. Is that right? Yeah. Little secrets in the sword. Little, little couple projects I've been doing on the side and... You know, I'm not sure what exactly they're going to be, but I have a couple ideas rattling around for my time in Vegas, but it'll be a good time. Hopefully we'll get some good stuff out of it. Do we have anything post-Super Bowl up for discussion? Uh, Do we yeah. want, we, we should kind of start going on MLB preview in a little. Yeah. We've recorded the MLB free agency podcast twice now, and Blake Snell and Cody Bellinger just refused to sign sign. anywhere. (laughs) So we recorded it once. I think it was before Shohei signed. Then we waited. No, we did it before he signed. Yeah. Because we predicted it. Then we did another one. Yeah. After he signed. Before before guys like uh, Nola. But Yamamoto. I think it was before the Yamamoto signing. I think just before Nola too. (laughs) Yeah. So now we need to do it a third time when they do it. Just a point. We can just. Plain recap. Yeah. It's easy enough. All right. Well, this is the Dragon's Den podcast signing off. And you have anything to say before we go? Can I make my my classic transition? There is no transition. This is it. All right. Well, we'll see you in Vegas. Take care.